Good morning, Orlando. Good Friday morning to you. Glad you're with us here at 6 o'clock for our very first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Coming right here and now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning a deadly Greyhound bus crash. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. There's so much Trump news, I'm running not one, but two Trump trains. In this hour. Careful. All aboard. I got room for you. It's coming your way on Good Morning Orlando. 601 on News Radio 1025. A bus crash in New Mexico turns fatal, claiming seven lives and seriously injuring more than 20 passengers. One passerby described the chaotic scene following the crash. People trying to climb out of the windows of the bus. There was people on scene that were bystanders that were trying to help. Um, people getting ladders out of their truck to get up to the windows. A semi-tractor trailer drove east on Interstate 40 when it blew a tire and crossed over in the westbound lanes, colliding with the Greyhound bus. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Governor Rick Scott does not believe the Republicans seeking to succeed him meant any harm in a comment made during an interview on Fox News this week. Ron DeSantis said Florida's enjoying economic growth and that the election of Democrat Andrew Gillum would monkey this up. Some have characterized DeSantis' comment as racist, but in Tampa yesterday, Scott disagreed. I don't think it was very artful, he should, he, but it, I know he didn't mean any ill, Ill will. Um, so, you know, Ron cares about the state, um, but, he, you know, he could have said, you know, said it better. Scott said he'll leave it up to DeSantis to decide if an apology is necessary. By the way, I have the brand new mayor-elect, the first Black mayor of Orange County, Jerry Demings, live with me in the 8 o'clock hour. I'll ask him whether or not he saw racism in the comments so controversial uh, about which so much has been made from Ron DeSantis. So we'll get that from the new mayor. I'm very interested to hear what he has to say. We'll see. After trailing in fundraising throughout the entire primary campaign, Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum strikes pay dirt. On the day after he won the Democratic nomination for governor, Gillum received more than $1 million in donations Then yesterday, the Democratic Governors Association announced it's donating a million bucks to Gillum's political action committee. A teenager is injured after being hit by a Sunrail train in Orange County. It happened about 5.30 p.m. on Long Stem Court. That's east of South Orange Avenue and Town Center Boulevard. The 14-year-old boy was airlifted to ORMC and was listed in serious condition. If you snooze, you lose. State troopers are launching a crackdown on drowsy drivers this Labor Day holiday weekend. Florida Highway Patrol Sergeant Steve Gaskin says there are plenty of ways to plan your trips to keep from falling asleep behind the wheel. If you're traveling excessive distances, make sure just break up the trip and make it a two-day trip versus a one-day trip so you can get there safely. Gaskins also recommends frequent breaks, switching drivers, and drinking coffee. Drowsy Driving Week is an annual event here in Florida, memorializing an 8-year-old girl who lost her life when a sleepy commercial driver plowed his cement truck into her school bus 10 years ago. 23rd-ranked UCF opened the college football season with a 56-17 route at UConn last night. Knights quarterback Mackenzie Milton threw for 346 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know, just going out, playing another game since uh, January 1st. You know, I, I felt like it kind of went by fast off season. You know, I think that happens when you're having fun. You know, uh, we got a great group of guys, and, you know, it shows, you know, the work we put in this offseason. The game got off to a scary start when UCF defensive back Aaron Robinson was carted off the field after being injured on the opening kickoff, but 
Head coach Josh Heupel says Robinson is going to be okay. It's pretty scary. You know, they had to take him out on a stretcher. It took about 15 minutes before they actually got him onto the stretcher and off the field. I think people had feared the worst that there was paralysis. Apparently that's not the issue. Really, really frightening. But what an awesome performance by the Knights. And for you and for Yaffe, who are UCF grads, man, yeah. you guys must be really on fire about this team. They looked awesome last Busting night. Busting a few buttons. And Woo! that offense, high speed. They were getting off a play about every 10 seconds. They yeah. could hardly get the instant replay finished before they were starting the next play. I love that as a fan. I really do. I love the pace. Well, and it's good news because we were worried about, you know, the new coach. We don't know how good he's going to be compared to the last one, but so far, so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not that UConn is the greatest competition out there. Look, look, don't ruin our fun I'm here, not. But... 56 <laughs> points is awesome. They were terrific. I watched it as long as I could, and they were just they were great. Go Knights. It's called Taking Care of Business. Mm-hmm. UCF will host South Carolina State next Saturday in the home opener. WFLA News Time is 6.06. The Farmer's Almanac predicts a very long, cold, and snow-filled winter. Hopefully not for Florida. Mm. That story's online at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Stick around here to the 7 o'clock hour. I'll tell you about snowflakes sighted in Tallahassee. Don't miss that. What? Yes. Coming up in our 7 o'clock hour alongside Alan Spector, who brings us the news and does it so well on Fridays. We've got Yaffe in the control room. Steph will be taking your calls at 407 916 5400 text line never busy always open 23680 but for you texters you need to know if you don't already that standard message and data rates apply it's good morning orlando on a friday getaway friday for the labor day weekend from the front gate realty studio from your cell pound 250 keyword real estate in a moment we're running two trump trains this morning okay we're giving you better service than sunrail for crying out loud and I promise you will be on time. The first Trump train leaves the station, okay, with a boatload of stuff from the Twitter storm in advance of his big speech at the rally in Indiana last night. The Trump train, right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, which I'll do in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yesterday, the president was on fire. There's a major Twitter storm raging against fake media and seemed like some would say fake everything yesterday. And he was only warming up for the Evansville, Indiana rally. Packed house as usual. Um, Everybody there on the Trump train on fire. And uh, it was really something. I've got sound cuts coming here in a second. There are a few references the president made without being very specific. I'd like to know what you think he meant, so stay tuned because I'll be opening up the phones, 407-916-5400, to get your wisdom. And the text line always open at uh, 23680, standard message and data rates apply there. But, I mean, this tweet storm went on yesterday morning for and, and into the afternoon as the president then made his way out to Indiana on behalf of a Senate candidate out there. And just to be in a good, solid red state with fellow Trump supporters, it's amazing how energized he gets and recharged at these rallies. There's really never been anything like these Trump rallies. 
You think of him with a campaign they go on within his presidency in a way I believe we've never seen before, but nobody else could pull this stuff off like like he can. He is at his absolute best in that environment. Um, yesterday, he went after all the fake news outlets of CNN. He tweeted, the hatred and the extreme bias against me has clouded their thinking, made them unable to function. Of NBC, he said, what's going on at CNN is happening at other networks. NBC News is the worst. Says they're about to fire the uh, NBC News chairman, Andy Lack, and that may well be true. He's been under fire. The president also accused NBC News anchor Lester Holt, who I really think plays it straight, of fudging my tape in the May 2017 interview. Remember the one where Trump pinned his firing of FBI Director James Comey on this, quote, Russia thing? I'm, I'm not aware that they've done anything with that tape. NBC responded and says, we haven't done anything, and posted the entire interview, they say, uncut online. I wish I knew what he meant by they fudged the tape, because I see no evidence of it. It doesn't look and sound like anything's been done to the tape when you watch it, like something's been edited out to make him look bad, or they put words in his mouth. Um, and it go, went on and on and on. So the president got warmed up on Twitter and then he let it rip out in Indiana at the big rally, tearing into the Democrat Party. Listen to how he characterized the Democrats, tearing into the fake news media and into his own Justice Department and the FBI. Today's Democrat Party is held hostage by left-wing haters, angry mobs, deep state radicals, establishment cronies, and their fake news allies. But our Justice Department and our FBI have to start doing their job and doing it right and doing it now. Because people are angry. People are angry. What's happening is a disgrace. And at some point, I wanted to stay out. But at some point, if it doesn't straighten out properly, I want them to do their job. I will get involved, and I'll get in there if I have to. What does the president mean by that? That he's now ready to fire special counsel Robert Mueller? That he's going to fire Attorney General Jeff Sessions? He's been trying to get him to quit, humiliating him and bashing him every chance he gets. The latest thinking out of the White House, though, yesterday from the president was, well, yeah, maybe I'll fire him, but not till after the midterms. What does he mean by that? I'll get involved if I have to. 407-916-5400. How do you take it? Text line 23680. Another cut right now as we ride the first of two Trump trains in this hour. He ripped into big tech the likes of Facebook, Twitter, and Google for their anti-conservative bias. This was powerful. My administration is also standing up for the free speech rights of all Americans, social media giants. And I've made it clear that we as a country cannot tolerate political censorship, blacklisting, and rigged search results. We will not let large corporations silence conservative voices. And it can. It can go the other way, too, someday. We're not going to let them control what we can and cannot see, read, and learn from. And that's exactly what they largely are doing. We've talked about it a lot here. But what does the president mean they won't let it happen? There's only two ways, I think, that 
big tech can be dealt with in these regards. They're private companies. Use the antitrust laws to try to break up the likes of Google as being monopolies. Or there are those who believe that the government under Trump will move to regulate big tech the way we regulate public utilities and rein them in that way. So what do you think the president means? What do you think ought to be done with big tech, if anything? And what does he mean about, I'll get involved if the Justice Department and the FBI don't start doing their jobs? 407-916-5400. What do you think he means, and what do you want him to do? Let's talk about it on a Friday. 407-916-5400. Text me 23680, or standard message, and data rates apply. So, Yaffe, Trump rally last night. Crowd was eating it up. What do you think he meant when he talked about if the Justice Department and the FBI don't start doing their job, he is going to get involved? And uh, and also, uh, okay, we're not going to let big tech do what they're doing, and that is suppressing conservative thoughts, showing an, an out-and-out left-wing bias against conservatives. Uh, what's your take on all of this? Man, I don't know. You want me to pull out my crystal ball yes, and predict I do. the future? I'm not sure. I mean, there's a couple different options with the Justice Department. You mentioned two of them. He could fire Mueller. He could fire Jeff Sessions. The third option is he could declassify everything, make everything public, and if there's damaging information there, it will be out for everyone to see. So that's another option as well. I think he was purposely pretty cryptic last night in, the, in yeah. this regard. Because he's probably not sure, but he's not going to do anything until after the midterms, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, he's serious about going after big tech for the bias. Yeah, I'm not really sure what he can do about that. And he might get some pushback from conservatives who believe that's too much government interference mm-hmm. in the marketplace. So... I'm glad he has the bullhorn and he's using it, but I don't know. Hey, uh, Kevin, you're joining us from the coast. Good morning from Melbourne. Hey, bud. Yes, sir. Um, as far as the as far as what the president has said uh, about getting involved, he said this before, and I was listening to Greg Jarrett yesterday. Now he's um, a lawyer. He, he used so- to be a reporter and an anchor yes, for Fox, CNN, and then Fox, and now he's their lo- their legal legal kind of uh, behind-the-scenes, mostly. Right. Yes, and he was filling in for Sean Hannity on his radio show yesterday. Ah. And he mentioned he mentioned that back in, I think it was May of 2017, Jeff Sessions handed the president a letter of resignation at that time, but the president didn't accept it at that time. He just went ahead and kept him as uh, attorney general. So he believes that he's kept that letter in the Oval Office, though, in a drawer, and that no longer than a week after the midterms, he's going to accept that letter, and then Jeff Sessions will then be gone. I wouldn't be surprised. And, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised either, and I think that's pretty much what he's saying. He's going to take control. He's going to get rid of Sessions and Rosenstein. I don't think he's saying he's going to get rid of Mueller, but when you get rid of those two, what do you have left? So um, I think that he's going to clean up the Justice Department after the midterms. All as right. far as the... The big tech thing, yeah. I don't know how you, how you go about doing that. I don't either, um, but I think the president is determined to do something. Thanks, I appreciate it. How about we get the text line incoming from the smartest audience in talk radio? What do you see there, Yeffy? 
Yeah, one person said that Google should be regulated more strictly than the phone book, uh, which is interesting. Another person tried to point out and said that these tech companies are public companies, not private. Um, but he's talking about they're traded on the open market. Yeah, they are. They, but they're that, not government controlled. That's what we were saying. That's the point. Yes, yeah. exactly. Another person said the leftist media organizations are the enemy of the people. Thank God for Trump. There you go. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, Tony, to squeeze you in. Good morning from Orlando. You're on with the Bud Man. Hey, what's up, Bud? I don't know. You tell me. Now you're down to 25 seconds. <laughs> okay. Did, didn't, didn't the IRS uh, target conservatives? No, absolutely. Lowest learner in company? Absolutely. Yeah, they, everybody's shocked over these things. I've been, I've been dealing with the FBI in Brooklyn for years. My whole family has. They're the most corrupt garbage cans in the world. All right. On the screen, bottom, Stephanie put fire... Him now. Fire Who are you them, talking fire about? Fire them, fire them, Who? fire them, fire Who? them, and find Who? Who? Comey? You want, well, Comey's already, Comey's gone. Not Comey. Uh, well, who's the guy that they're, they're I don't know. Them. Mueller, Sessions? Who are we talking fire about? Fire them, fire them, fire them all. Yeah. All right, got it. Thank you much. Appreciate it. 30 seconds is gone. Time now to remind you that, yeah, you can listen to WFLA in all sorts of ways. Maybe you'll find us on the FM dial at 102.5 and the AM dial at 540, but there's also HD radio at 107.7 HD3 and on iHeartRadio app. Download the free iHeartRadio app. You'll get a crystal clear signal of everything we do here on WFLA 24-7 forever anywhere on earth. And if you're a music lover like me, you can get your own weekly mixtape put together where you get to listen to your favorite stations, your favorite songs, and nothing else absolutely free. Find out what it's all about. It's all part of the amazing and free iHeartRadio app. Fridays mean we get the news from Alan Spector here on Good Morning Orlando, who will check in with more on the big Trump rally in Indiana and Red Tide moving up the Florida Gulf Coast. Good morning from us all at 629. While the specter of my friend Alan Specter looms large every Friday when he brings us the news. How you doing this morning? Boo. I'm fine. <laughs> all right. Did I scare you? No, I'm, I'm, no, nothing scares me, man, with all that's going on. Are you kidding me? Uh, we do, though, have more perspective from you and our colleagues in the newsroom on one of the stories we've been talking about already. Yeah, President Trump not letting up on the Justice Department and the FBI as those agencies continue to investigate his campaign, Trump told a rally in Evansville, Indiana last night. Our Justice Department and our FBI have to start doing their job and doing it right and doing it now. Because people are angry. People are angry. The president said that what is happening is a disgrace, and if he has to, he'll step in and fix it. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A California man is in federal custody for allegedly threatening to shoot employees at the Boston Globe. Robert Chain was arrested yesterday after a SWAT team raided his house. Chain allegedly started calling the Globe this month after the paper ran an editorial criticizing President Trump for calling the press an enemy of the people. Red tide is creeping up the Gulf and is now off the Pinellas coast. Michelle Kerr is with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Concentrations were observed 10 miles offshore Pinellas County in high concentrations. This was the first observation of high concentrations during this bloom offshore Pinellas County. 
However, parts of Sarasota, Charlotte, Lee, and Collier counties showed decreased concentrations. In indicating, of course, the red tide is moving north up the coast, the FWC has issued a catch-and-release advisory for snook and redfish because of the red tide bloom that has killed millions of fish and sea life off the southwest Florida coast. A city on the Space Coast is about to get its second medical marijuana dispensary. The Vitacan Company will open a dispensary tomorrow in Palm Bay on Georgia Street. Two months ago, Curaleaf opened a dispensary on Palm Bay Road. The Atlantic hurricane season has yet to reach its peak, and FEMA is advising Florida residents to be ready for any storms that might come our way. Spokesman Q Winfield says preparation is often the difference between a hard road to recovery and one that's merely bumpy. Disasters will occur, but they don't have to be tragedies. We can't control natural disasters, but we can control how prepared we are to respond to them. Winfield says that every story of spectacular recovery and response has a backstory of unspectacular and meticulous planning. NASA says astronauts had to plug a hole in the International Space Station yesterday. The ISS crew used a cloth wipe saturated with sealant to stop air from leaking through the hole. There's no immediate word on what caused the two-millimeter-wide hole in the space station, but NASA says the crew was never in danger. A little scary when that kind of thing happens in that environment. Yeah, air leaking is not something you want to hear when you're in outer space, I would think. I'm surprised I didn't go for the chewing gum. You know, just kind of go... That's a backup plan. Okay, plan B. WFLA News Time is 6.36. I'm Alan Spector, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Thanks, Alan. Yep, and it continues with a Bloomberg Business Report, of course, brought to you every day on Good Morning Orlando. Um, and uh, Gina Cervetti's uh, wrapping up her vacation. Joan Doniger's been doing a terrific job in her stead, joining us from the Bloomberg Newsroom in Washington, D.C., Thanks for the great work you've done this week, and welcome aboard one more time, Joan. Oh, Bud, thank you so much. It's always so nice to hear, and it's always good to be here. Well, you do a great job, and um, Gina's hard to replace, but you're awesome. Yes. Now, here we go. Let's talk about, um, you know, the stock prices that have been going up through the roof. You said that uh, trade issues were going to put the brakes on this, and it looks like maybe that's happening, huh? Yeah, yesterday we saw a fairly substantial uh, turn down. In I mean, nothing, they're still stocks are still near record highs, but we saw losses of about a third to about a half percent yesterday. A little bit of a pullback after four straight days of gains that had sent the Nasdaq and S and P to new territory uh, and uh, records and everything else. Today it looks like uh, we might slip back just a little bit further. This is nothing major, though. I mean, this often happens after a, a, a big run up. Uh, but strategists are saying that it's uh, President Trump because he's ready to go all out with a new round of tariffs on China next week. Mm-hmm. And he said, told Bloomberg yesterday that he is ready to pull the U.S. out of the World Trade Organization unless it starts treating the U.S. better. That has made uh, Wall Street investors a little bit uncomfortable. So right now, S&P futures are down four, NASDAQ futures down six, Dow futures down 40. The word out of the White House is he's going to announce that uh, he's got a trade deal to replace NAFTA 
not only with Mexico, but with uh, Canada today. That might make investors feel a little more comfortable than they've been. That, that could be what's keeping these uh, stock futures really rather flat. They're lower, but that's not really by all that much. And so perhaps, you know, they're kind of holding out for uh, something like that, for that announcement. Got it. Moving on now, we've all heard the old ad slogan, things go better with Coke, right? Well, apparently right. Coca-Cola thinks things now... Go better with coffee. What's the story there, uh, Joan? Yeah, Coca-Cola is buying the Starbucks of the U.K., the Costa coffee chain. It's putting up more than $5 billion to do that. Costa runs about 3,800 stores in 32 countries. The deal is Coke's biggest acquisition in eight years. Uh, Coke's annual sales have been falling for six years. So the soda makers are trying to diversify and move into other areas. So now Coke is jumping into the coffee shop market, even though Starbucks and the owner of Pete's have sewed up some of the key locations. Interesting to see how that plays out for them. Now, we know that um, the electric car company, Tesla, run by billionaire entrepreneur Elon Musk, has uh, been struggling, and Musk has had some personal issues, and there's more pressure on him this morning. What can you tell us? Uh, yeah, he is founder, co-chair, or company chairman and CEO, and has been under pressure both for the company's spending and for his own behavior, especially this month after that whole debacle involving whether he was taking the company private or not, announced on Twitter, etc. Well, even before that, some activists had said it would be a good idea to split the chairman and CEO roles at Tesla. They argued an independent chair would improve oversight at the company. Now, shareholders voted that down back in June. But it did have some influential backers, and that's where the pressure comes in. BlackRock managed funds, voted in favor of the move. That has just come out in a government filing. So now Musk knows that some um, some major movers want to see uh, a real step up in performance. Okay, more to come on that. And before you go, you know, a lot of us are still mourning the loss of the great toy store chain, uh, Toys R Us, which has closed down all of its stores. The market's trying to adjust to that. And it looks like Walmart wants to move in and fill at least some of the gap left by the demise of Toys R Us. What do you have on that? Uh, that's right. It is expanding further its reach. Uh, it had already become the nation's biggest toy seller, even before Toys R Us shut its doors. So now it says it's adding thousands of new toys, expanding its toy aisles, and will even sponsor a national play day at 1500 Walmarts on September 8th. You know, something that Toys R Us used to basically do. It would let kids in to play and try out the toys. Well, now that's what Walmart will do on that play day to try to grab a bigger share of the toy market. We'll watch for it. Thank you, Joan. And once again, appreciate your work in for Gina Cervetti, joining us from the Bloomberg Newsroom all week long in Washington, D.C. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend, and we'll look for you down the road, okay? All right. Thank you. You too. All right. Good deal. I told you that we had so much stuff on the president that we would have to run not one, but two Trump trains in the 6 o'clock hour. The second one pulls into the station momentarily. What's on it? A boatload of blue wave killers. It's coming up right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. 645 right now, right on schedule. The second of two Trump trains has pulled into the station here on the 50,000 watt front porch, loaded with blue wave killers in advance of the midterms. I don't know how the vote's going to go, but I have to tell you. 
every time we have economic news that is positive, and there just seems to be an endless supply of it right now under Trump's policies, you know, of deregulation, of taking tax burdens from the American people, but particularly from corporate America. Every time we have another blue wave killer, it's a nightmare for the anti-Trumpers in the media and for the Democrats as well. And we got a boatload of them. I'll just crank through them really quickly here. Um, Trump tweeted yesterday that because of his policies that have the stock market going through the roof, the number of 401k millionaires, people with at least a million bucks in their 401k accounts, rose to 168,000 at the end of June. The number of IRA millionaires hit 156,000. These are like, you know, all-time highs. Then there's this. And again, a nightmare for the anti-Trumpers, the anti-Trump media machine, the ATM machine, and of course, for the Democrat Party that thinks they're going to take control of Congress, the House for sure, and the Senate maybe, not so fast. People vote, as I continue to tell you, and it's not an original thought from the Bud Man. All the data has shown this as long as I've been around, that people vote more than anything with their wallet and their pocketbooks. If they feel really good about their their financial situation, their economic situation, and the economy, the president who gets the blame on this stuff, if it's going bad, gets the credit, and his party rides the wave. In this case, could be a red wave that changes the tradition of the opposition party picking up all kinds of seats in the midterms. Household income is now up to an all-time high, 62,450 on the average now. That's the median highest level in 18 years. Um, Amazing. The median household income up more than 4% in the time since Trump's been in office. It had been totally flat for the last year and a half of the Obama regime. Over the course of President Obama's entire eight years in office, are you ready? Median household income that's gone up 4% already under Trump in a year and a half plus climbed a mere 0.3%. The president's policies have made a difference. Commerce Department has boosted its estimate of second quarter growth from 4.1 to 4.2. Looks like we may well have an average for the year of over three. We haven't seen anything like that since 2005. Another blue wave killer. What do the Democrats have to offer the American people who are doing just fine under the Trump presidency and the Republican leadership? I mean, it goes on and on and on. The public's mood being shown in one poll after another to be better than it's been in years. The latest economic optimism index has soared to a 14-year high. The consumer confidence index is higher than it's been in 18 years. And people are more satisfied with their jobs in the latest poll than they have been in a long time. There it is. Trump train number two, chock full of blue Wave killers, we can only hope. Good morning, Orlando. You're just in time for the Daily Sound Judgment Game. Steph, what about that prize? Yes, bud. So today we have a pair of tickets to see Dr. Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life Tour, an antidote to chaos at Dr. Phillips Center on Friday, September 14th. Best-selling author and conservative rising star Jordan Peterson is known for taking on the left, radical feminist, and political correctness. 
This tour will feature revolutionary talks on overcoming life's biggest obstacles, how to improve oneself, and much more. If you're into taking back our culture from the left, you don't want to miss this tour. Tickets are on sale now. Visit drphillipcenter.org for more info. All right. Thanks, Steph, very much. And if you're trying to get in, a wrong answer will open a line at 407-916-5400. Well, the college football season has begun, and last night the UCF Knights put the nation's longest winning streak on the line with a road game against the University of Connecticut. Listen now to the sound of Mark Daniels from our sister station, 96.9 The Game, doing the play-by-play. Then use your sound judgment to tell me how many consecutive games the UCF Knights have now won. McKenzie rolls out. Pressure looks downfield. Still looking. Still looking. Deciding what he wants to do. Throws it downfield. The end zone pass is going to be caught. Touchdown, Trey Nixon. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Final score, UCF, UConn, 56, UConn, 17. Way to go, Knights. You were awesome. So the question is, how many consecutive games have the UCF Knights now won? It is the longest college football winning streak in the country. Line one, you've got the first shot. Hi, bud. Um, I have no idea about sports, but I'm going to guess 17. Thanks for trying. You're not far off for not knowing sports, but I can't pay off. But there's that open line, 407 916 417's not that far off. I have a hunch they'll get there. We'll see. Line two, how many games in a row have the Knights won with last night's victory? Morning, bud. Is it 15? No. Thank you very much. 407-916-5400. Close. Line three, how many consecutive games have the Knights won? 16. No. 407-916-5400. This is amazing. You're all dancing around it. Line four, you can win it. Go. 14. Yes. All right. 13-0 last year. Another victory against UConn last night, and the streak continues. Congratulations. You've got the tickets to the Jordan Peterson 12 Rules of Life Tour in Orlando. I hope you're excited. It's a terrific prize. Go Knights. Yeah. Yes, very excited. Yeah, don't go away, my friend. What's your first name? Bob. Bob, where are you calling in from? Orlando. All right, don't go away. You and Stephanie will make arrangements all fair, okay, my friend? Thanks a lot, bud. Yes, sir. Have a great holiday weekend, Bob, and way to go. We'll play Sound Judgment next time we gather here. We're not doing a live show on Monday. We never do on the Monday holidays, uh, but there will be special programming here, of course from 6 until 9 a.m., and Deb will be here with the news. The news on Friday is brought to us by Alan Spector. Stay tuned. He's coming right up after I tell you that it is Free Movie Friday. Lots of new flicks out there. Would you like to win free movie tickets? Put yourself in the running, and you can do it thanks to our great friends at Adam Tickets. Text Adam Tickets now. Text RECORD, R-E-C-O-R-D, to A-T-O-M-1. That's 28661 for your chance to win. That Adam's Ticket app, by the way, is fantastic. It's where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and a whole lot more. So good luck winning those free movie tickets on Free Movie Friday. News coming up here at 7 o'clock. And Alan gave me some headlines to share with you. Do you think I can find those? Of course not. Yes, I can. And here they are under my stack of stuff. 
More on that deadly Greyhound bus crash with a semi out west. And UCF football, as we told you, off to a flying start. We'll have even more on that with Alan coming right up. It's Good Morning Orlando, the Friday edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your sale, pound 250, keyword real estate. Good morning at 7 o'clock. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Friday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here and now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning there's been a deadly crash involving a Greyhound bus. We'll have details coming up in one minute. Snowflakes in Tallahassee. Not weather related. The story next on Good Morning Orlando. 703 on News Radio 1025. At least seven people are dead after a semi slammed into a Greyhound bus on an interstate highway in New Mexico. It happened yesterday on I 40, about 90 miles west of Albuquerque. A passerby described what he saw. As we went by um, the overturned semi, I mean, everything that was in the trailer was out on the road. It was, it was a disaster. Investigators believe a tire on the semi blew out, sending the truck across the freeway and hitting the bus head-on. You know, beyond just the terrible loss of life, and it's a horrendous scene out there, how disconcerting is that for everybody who drives on highways side-by-side or they're coming at you, these semis, the idea that all that this could just happen to any one of us with a blown tire in one of those big rigs, and there's no defense for it. No. What can you do? Nothing. This news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Democratic nominee for governor finds himself in an unfamiliar spot, leading in a poll. After consistently trailing in the weeks ahead of his primary victory, a survey by the Democrat organization Public Policy Polling released yesterday shows Andrew Gillum leading in the governor's race, up by five points on Republican Congressman Ron DeSantis. The poll also shows Gillum leading among independents by 34 points. But again, that's a Democrat favoring poll has been for a long time just saying that's why i mentioned that more polls to come i'm sure in the nine plus weeks until the general election governor rick scott was in tampa yesterday and couldn't get away from questions about desantis and his comment that voters shouldn't monkey up florida's economic growth by electing gillum scott does not think it was racist you know he could have said it more artfully i don't you know ron cares about the state and i know he didn't mean any will uh, ill will. This election, let's remember what this election is about. It's election about you know the future of the state. Let's all focus on where we're going. Meanwhile, DeSantis's comment prompted dozens of people to rally outside his congressional office in Port Orange yesterday. By the way, we have Jerry Demings, who's just been elected to be, among other things, the first black mayor of Orange County. He'll be on with me live in our 8 o'clock hour. Got a lot to talk to Jerry about. I'm going to ask him whether or not he sees racism in the DeSantis comment. I don't, but others do, as you've pointed out, and we'll get perspective from our mayor-elect, Jerry Demings. All right. A man is facing child sex abuse charges in Osceola County, and police are worried there could be more victims around the country. St. Cloud police have arrested 46-year-old Jan Toth for abusing two girls for almost a decade, starting in one of those girls was four years old. Police are in touch with other departments outside Florida to see if Toth may have other victims. State troopers are launching a crackdown on drivers who don't get enough sleep before driving. We just kicked off our drowsy driving campaign, reminding people that a drowsy driver can be just as dangerous as a distracted or an impaired driver. FHP Sergeant Steve Gaskin says drowsy driving can be as dangerous as drunk driving and micro-sleeping or nodding off can be deadly. 
He recommends frequent breaks on long trips or switching off drivers if you can. If all else fails, caffeine can keep you going for a couple of hours. Drowsy Driving Week in Florida is dedicated to Ron Shea Dugans, an 8-year-old girl killed in 2008 when a sleepy driver lost control and a cement truck plowed into her school bus in Tallahassee. UCF has a new head coach, but the Knights have picked up right where they left off last season. They opened the college football season with a 56-17 victory at UConn last night. UCF quarterback Milton McKenzie threw for 346 yards and five touchdowns. But Coach Josh Heupel says we have yet to see the best of McKenzie. He's continuing to get so much better from inside of the pocket and getting his eyes in, the, in, in a better position and his feet in the ground. That uh, you know, As good as he's played and, and as good as tonight is, I, I still think there's uh, a ton of growth for him yet. And, and really proud just the way he competes every day. Heupel said that UCF defensive back Aaron Robinson, who was injured on the opening kickoff and taken off the field on a stretcher, is going to be okay. Oh, that's good to hear because that was an awful scene on the very first play of the game last night. Very scary. WFLA news time is 7.07. A tweet from the California Highway Patrol helps nuns get a new van. That story's online at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thanks, Alan. Alan Spector with the news every Friday here. Yaffe is our executive producer. Steph's taking phone calls. And up next, what's bugging the bud man? The wimpification of America. Latest exhibit, Florida State University's Seminole Snowflakes. Okay? Incoming students at Florida State are to undergo mandatory stress reduction training. But they can opt out if they're too stressed out to take it. I kid you not. We'll talk about it in a moment, and we'll see what you think at 407-916-5400 on the text line 23680 where standard message and data rate supply. We're launching at hour number two. Join the conversation here in the 50,000-watt front porch right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Florida State football players are tough. I have no doubt about that. But I wonder about the rest of the student body, and I wonder about the administration, as I often do with colleges. Um, Campus Reform, great conservative organization that keeps us apprised of what's going on in college campuses around this country, has this headline, Florida State Implementing Mandatory Stress Reduction Training. Except for really overstressed students, they can opt out. It is called the new Student Resilience Project. There's a little video, less than a minute long, on the FSU website. I asked Yaffe to grab the audio, listen to more of what this mandatory stress training for new students at FSU is all about under their Student Resilience Project. Welcome to the FSU Student Resilience Project. You've already accomplished so much to become a member of the proud FSU community. Let's be sure you're ready for what's next and make your transition to FSU successful. This project and website will give you and your classmates tools to help with the challenges of adjusting to student life. You'll hear from students, faculty experts, and health professionals about how to stay healthy and cope with college stress. 
We'll also help you practice new skills with quick and easy exercises. We want you and those around you to be healthy and resilient. We hope you'll use these tools and share them with those who might need a little help. They're available 24-7 on any device. Let's get started. Mandatory stress training, except for overly stressed students who can opt out, now at Florida State for their new students. Apparently, there are also going to be meditation audios, music therapy, helping students manage their stress and build coping skills. I guess, you know, maybe maybe this is a good thing. Maybe we should have had it when, when you and I went to college. Um, <laughs> you know, we had a professor who was assigned to each one of us where I went to school here who served also kind of like as, a, as partially a guidance counselor. If you had a big issue, you could go to them, but I can't ever remember availing myself of this. You just sucked it up and handled something new and dealt with it for crying out loud because at that point in time, you came into a college experience, almost everybody I ever knew, with the necessary coping sp- skills. But in our society today, people coming up, teenagers, they don't seem to have the same coping skills. I wonder if it's because it's the everybody, it's a trophy culture they've been raised in. You don't have to face adversity because everybody's a winner. You know, I mean, what what is going on here Do you think we need this kind of mandatory stress reduction training at a major university like FSU? Is this the thing that should be done everywhere? Or do we just have too many snowflakes or an administration that thinks all the kids coming into FSU are a bunch of snowflakes who could melt down at any time without a lot of help? What do you think of this new program at FSU, the Student Resilience Project? Got a positive vibe or a negative vibe about it? You've heard my take. Sounds like we got snowflakes in August up at FSU. Give me a break. 407-916-5400. Give me your take on this. Maybe I'm a little too cynical. I've been told. Get told that by my wife every day, practically comes home and tells me what I've been talking about on the radio. Gee whiz, what were you so upset about? <laughs> 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Florida State University apparently has so many freshmen coming in who are all stressed out and having trouble coping that they have implemented mandatory stress reduction training. They call it their Student Resilience Project. It's mandatory, but if you're too stressed out, they say you can opt out, which I think is kind of ironic. Yaffe and Steph, you're recently college grads, UCF for you and uh, Florida for you, Steph. Um, Yaffe went to UCF. Alan did as well, but he's working in the newsroom. He's got his own stress issues right there, and he'll be back with us in news in a moment. I can tell you what I did at Colgate University. My buddies and I, when we were stressed, one of two things, sometimes both happened. We'd get outside and throw the football around on the quad and work it off, or we get out of the Colgate Inn and have a couple of beers. <laughs> That's how we handled it. So that was our that was our that was our approach to college stress. I don't know. I mean, talk to me about this program at FSU. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world to it's teach not kids. Bad, but it's to... if it's needed. What does it say about what's with our generation coming up that they don't have the coping skills that prior generations had? 
You know, one thing when I when I started at UCF that really took me off guard is some of the students during orientation, they'd have their parents with them during orientation. Really? And I was always like, when I started college, my mom, dad, they didn't help me at all. I did oh, me all of that myself. That I was oh, those told. are the helicopter yeah. parents, which are part of the problem. I they really handle everything is. for little Johnny and little Susie. You know, growing up, they hover over them. So when they're out there on their own, oh, my God, I can't handle this. Steph, what about this? You went to Florida. Yeah, no, I think that the program's ridiculous. I mean, I didn't grow up in a household like that where everyone gets a trophy and, you know, it's all good and dandy. Like, no. I have a feeling her parents yelled at her if she didn't get, like, <laughs> first place. No, honestly, I never was in trouble. I never, you know, they just told me that you need to work hard and that there's always going to be stress and things you go through in life and you just got to deal with it. That's life. Mike, you're in Melbourne on this FSU mandatory stress reduction training for incoming freshmen. Hey, bud. Uh, I just had two of my children recently graduate. Um, and I would bet just based on their friends and people that they hang out with if these students would were given the option i bet 80 percent would opt out of this i think it falls more on the florida straight florida state administration instead of the students i think uh there are a lot of helicopter parents and that that is a major problem for kids their parents are wanting to be their friends and they do everything for them but I, I think most students would opt out of this program, and they would be fine opting out if they were given the choice. Well, it's an interesting take on that, and I do appreciate it. How about the uh, textures, Yaffe? What kind of uh, input are you getting there? Yeah, one person says this, said, so glad my son got a full scholarship to a college that starts every day with inspection, the pledge, and chapel. It says homeschooling paid off. Wow. Where is that? I like that. <laughs> I don't know. Another person says, don't forget that the high school shooting kids are now making their way into the college system. So um, a lot of them, I don't know. We squeeze in Joe from Melbourne. About 20 seconds if you can, Joe. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, bud, man. I enjoy your show here. Uh, I think you're a little prejudged on this. Uh, These kids are 18, leaving home for the first time. I think they could use all the help they can get. We were all 18 going to college, leaving home for the first time, and we didn't need mandatory stress reduction training, for God's sake, Joe. Why is it different today? Well, I don't think that's what they said. I think you're making uh, a little too much of it. I just think it's a helpful thing. That's my opinion. Well, you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not telling you anything that isn't right in front of me in black and white and on that FSU video that I'm sure Yaffe will be posting on the website at 1025wfla.com, keyword Budman, if it's not too stressful, Yaffe, for you. Can you handle that? Can you do it? Can you do it? I know you can do I'll it. I'll try. Yeah. I might need to do some exercises or something first. Some yoga first. Yeah. yeah. Come to the Budman. I'll whip you into shape. <laughs> no, you don't need any of that nonsense. Anyway... Good morning, Orlando. Rolls on on a Friday from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Um, Alan, the president had him really rocking last night out in Indiana, and you've got the story. Yeah, President Trump ramping up his attacks on the Justice Department and the FBI as those investigations into his campaign continue. Trump told the rally in Evansville, Indiana last night that he might have to do something about it. What's happening is a disgrace. 
And at some point, I wanted to stay out. But at some point, if it doesn't straighten out properly, I want them to do their job. I will get involved, and I'll get in there if I have to. President is off to Charlotte, North Carolina today. His first stop will be Central Piedmont Community College, where he plans to sign an executive order aimed at strengthening retirement security. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Washington, D.C. will say its final farewell to Senator John McCain starting today. The Arizona Republican will become just the 31st American to lie in state in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. A memorial service for McCain will take place at the National Cathedral tomorrow. A fishing advisory is issued for the southwest Florida coast because of red tide. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is asking that all snook and redfish caught in the Gulf be released. The FWC's Michelle Kerr says high concentrations of the toxic algae bloom have been detected about 10 miles off the Pinellas County coast and they're checking it again today. Red tide primarily does depend on winds and current movements for concentrations along shore. So we will be processing more water samples and producing an updated report Friday afternoon. Kerr says there seems to be a decrease in red tide along the coasts of Lee and Charlotte counties, indicating the bloom is moving north. As the tropics get more active and we head toward the peak of the Atlantic hurricane season, FEMA advises you to have a plan of evacuation and to know where you stand in terms of flood risk and flood insurance. If local officials say it's time to evacuate, follow their instructions. Leave as early as possible. And then I will encourage listeners to visit floodsmart.gov. That's floodsmart.gov to learn a little bit about the National Flood Insurance Program. FEMA spokesman Q. Winfield says we here in Florida might know better than others about the need to be ready for whatever nature throws this way, but it never hurts to get the occasional reminder. Roger Federer is on to the third round of the U.S. Open. The men's second seed won in straight sets over Benoit Paire of France in yesterday's second round. Six-seeded Novak Djokovic also advanced with a four-set win over American Tennis Sandgren. And I think the Williams sisters face off against each other tonight yes, at the U.S. Open. That is correct. Yeah. And elsewhere, Bud, mm-hmm. uh, I have I have more music again this week. Oh and no! To stump the Bud man. I'm not going to publicly ask, humiliate me. I'm not going to ask you to name it, but as a Yankee <laughs> fan, you yeah. might recognize this tune. That is Enter Sandman by the band Metallica, which was the entrance music for Mariano Rivera, the great Yankees closer, when he came in to finish off games. Even I knew that one. He was the Sandman because he put the other players' bats to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Metallica has a new release, but it's not music. The band has announced they're releasing their own brand of whiskey. Named after the song Blackened on their 1988 album and Justice for All, Blackened American Whiskey will be released this fall in select stores. The band is also launching a line of Nikon watches featuring artwork from several of the band's classic albums. Their World Wire Tour starts September 2nd. How about that? A little town in Spain takes the concept of a food fight to the extreme. Every year on the last Wednesday of August, the La Tomatina Festival is held. This is the world's largest tomato fight. Thousands of people throw about 150 tons of tomatoes at each other. Just for fun. (laughs) What a mess. The tradition started in 1945 when a group of residents started a tomato fight in the town square. 
Those who have participated in the past have some tips for newbies. They say to definitely wear old clothing that can be thrown out and that goggles can be a person's best friend to keep tomato acid out of your eyes. I'll bet. You know, before you came in here from the newsroom, we were all talking about, you know, college stress. FSU has a program for incoming freshmen so they can, you know, if they're overstressed, they can, you know, manage it and they have all of this. You know, and I just was remembering, we didn't do tomato fudge, but we had a great stress reliever my freshman year when I went to Colgate. It was in the student union. We'd have roll fights. Everybody would, you know, have rolls they would have gotten on their tray like that. Yeah. You'd load up like that, and then all of a sudden, a roll fight would, it's not, it's not messy like, like, like tomatoes, but it was a great stress reliever. That's how we got rid of stress. Did you inspire the uh, food fight scene in Animal House? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We came along you know, right around the same time here. The John Belushi character is modeled after you, yeah. right? Yeah. He Toga. Called, Toga. He called, Toga. He called me. Toga. Yeah. He says, help me with this Bluto character, bud, man. This is not a problem, John. I'm on it. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah. All right. Can we go home? No, no. You can't. Don't add to my stress now. Okay. You know, I'll need therapy or something here. No. Alan Spector will be back with the news it says here at the top of the hour and whenever it breaks. With a basket of tomatoes. (laughs) Oh, man. This could get ugly early. Uh, It's great to have you with us here. We've been following this continuation of the FEMA program, all paid for with taxpayer dollars, that allows... Folks who fled Puerto Rico from the devastation of Hurricane Maria, that storm occurred September 20th there last year, a lot of them came to Central Florida, to the Orlando area, and they get hotel vouchers, and they can stay in a hotel, uh, and it doesn't cost them anything. And that program has been ongoing for nearly a year now, and the judges continue to extend it and, you know, I've, I've come to the point where I've thought, is this just going to go on forever? Now a judge has decided, no, it won't, and has issued a deadline on this. And we'll have the very latest and see what you think about it here in a moment. That in Orlando's News, Water and Traffic, updated in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Finally, a judge has decided not to extend, as they have done repeatedly, the hotel voucher program, this, um, FEMA Transitional Shelter Assistance Program, commonly called TSA. The deadline for this aid is uh, September 14th, according to a judge's ruling. He said he no longer could find a legal justification to continue it any longer. At that point, uh, it will be five days short of a full year since Hurricane Maria ravaged the island of Puerto Rico. At that time, 7,000 people fled to the United States to take advantage of this Taxpayer-funded FEMA hotel voucher program. Um, there were a, there's a thousand families left across the country right now. Here in the Orlando area, about 320 families are still using the hotel voucher program. That's down from about 600 just a couple of months ago. What about all these other people? They have found other ways to house themselves, either moving in with existing family or friends here, in many cases taking advantage of the free airline ticket from FEMA and the U.S. taxpayers back to the island of Puerto Rico to resume their lives. Um, Other people have gotten jobs and have been able to get their own housing, apartments or homes or whatever it is. 
but we continue to have 300-plus families here, and the judges have said, this is it, the end of the road on the 14th of September. Latino activists are saying this is cruel and heartless. Once again, the Trump administration doesn't care about people. They're American citizens, these Puerto Ricans. They haven't done enough for the people on the island of Puerto Rico, and, uh, and they're mad, and, and they think that this is cruel, and it is heartless. FEMA says there are other FEMA programs, there are other government programs, there are other private sector programs, there are humanitarian organizations that ought to be able to absorb any of these remaining people who, for whatever reason, feel they can't make it on their own. And I think they're absolutely right. I think this has gone on long enough, and I hope I don't come across as a cruel, heartless conservative when I say that. Gaffey, it's almost a year. I think it's time. Other people have found options. This can't go on forever. But when we have these, you know, government-funded programs, if you call it an entitlement or whatever it happens to be, there are some people who will just ride it as long as it's there. Well, yeah, you know, the people complaining that this is going away, I haven't really heard how long they want it to continue. I mean, if now is not a good time to end it, when is a good time to end it? Never. I guess, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I agree with you completely. All right. I guess we're both heartless, bud. Yeah, we are. We are. And, and <laughs> Rush, Rush, of course, would have to be even more heartless than we are, right? I mean, he's the all-time king of conservative radio. Um, we love Rush. Well, I don't know what his take is on this. I have a feeling he would probably agree with us. <laughs> well, we might have a Rush morning update on that. I have no idea what he has ready for us, but it's coming up here in just a moment. And, of course, Rush for three solid hours every weekday afternoon from noon until 3 right here on WFLA. Good morning, Orlando. 7.56 right now. We are glad you're with us. Our new Orange County mayor-elect, Jerry Demings, joins me live on the 50,000-watt front porch right after the news to start our 8 o'clock hour. Lots to talk to him about. Uh, Jerry Demings uh, has made history once again. And uh, stay tuned on all of that. Hey, it is Free Movie Friday. Thanks to our good friends at Adam Tickets. How would you like to win free movie tickets? You can get yourself in the running for exactly that by texting Adam Tickets now. Text Adam Tickets. Text to record, R-E-C-O-R-D. No, text record to A-T-M-O, <laughs> A-T-O-M-1. Uh, that's 28661 for your chance to win. The Adam's Ticket app is where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and more. Go get them, and good luck to you. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us on a Friday morning at the top of the 8 o'clock hour for our latest update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Right here and now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning they're picking up the pieces after a deadly Greyhound bus crash. We've got details coming up in one minute. And I'll be talking live with our new Orange County mayor elect, Jerry Demings, right after the news on Good Morning Orlando. 802 on News Radio 1025. Some families are still anxiously awaiting to hear about the passengers who died in a bus crash. At least seven people are dead and 20 injured after a Greyhound bus and a semi truck collided in northwest New Mexico yesterday. One passerby described the chaotic scene following the crash. People trying to climb out of the windows of the bus. There was people on scene that were bystanders that were trying to help. Um, people getting ladders out of their truck to get up to the windows. It's believed the crash occurred when the semi eastbound on East Interstate 40 blew a tire and crossed over in the westbound lanes. 
colliding with the Greyhound bus. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Governor Rick Scott does not believe the Republicans seeking to succeed him meant any harm in a comment made during an interview on Fox News this week. Ron DeSantis said Florida is enjoying economic growth and that the election of Democrat Andrew Gillum would monkey this up. Some have characterized DeSantis' comment as racist, but in Tampa yesterday, Scott disagreed. I don't think it was very artful, he should, he, but it, I know he didn't mean any ill, Ill will. Um, so, you know, Ron cares about the state, um, but, he, you know, he could have said, you know, said it better. Scott said he'll leave it up to DeSantis to decide if an apology is necessary. After trailing in fundraising throughout the entire primary campaign, Andrew Gillum strikes pay dirt. On the day after he won the Democratic nomination for governor, Gillum received more than $1 million in donations. Then yesterday, the Democratic Governors Association announced it's donating a million bucks to Gillum's political action committee. A teenager is injured after being hit by a Sunrail train in Orange County. It happened about 5.30 p.m. on Long Stem Court, which is east of South Orange Avenue and Town Center Boulevard. The 14-year-old boy was airlifted to ORMC and was listed in serious condition. The first week of September is Drowsy Driving Week in Florida. It's in honor of Ron Shea Dugans, who was just eight years old when a sleepy driver at the wheel of a cement truck plowed into her school bus in Tallahassee and took her life in 2008. Florida Highway Patrol Sergeant Steve Gaskins has this tip. Make sure that you break up the trip, stop, take breaks, uh, rotate drivers if you've got more than one person in the car. And Gaskin says two cups of coffee can help you keep alert for several hours. State troopers and local law enforcement will be getting out the word starting this weekend and watching for drivers lacking in sleep. Yeah, some really good advice there for sure heading into the holiday weekend. 23rd-ranked UCF opened the college football season with a 56-17 route at UConn last night. Knights quarterback Mackenzie Milton threw for 346 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, you know, just going out playing another game since uh, January 1st. You know, I... I feel like it kind of went by fast the offseason, you know. I think that happens when you're having fun. You know, uh, we got a great group of guys, and, you know, it shows, you know, the work we put in this offseason. The game got off to a scary start when UCF defensive back Aaron Robinson was carted off the field after being injured on the opening kickoff. But head coach Josh Heupel says Robinson is going to be okay. Boy, it looked like we were fearing the worst, didn't it, for a while there. It took him a long time to get him off the field, and he went out on a stretcher. They said he's just going to be in the hospital overnight, so hopefully he's out and okay today. You bet. Uh, UCF now 1-0 and after 13-0 and last year. will host South Carolina State next Saturday in its home opener at Spectrum Field. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we bring you all the Gator games here, and they have their home opener, um, and that's uh, Saturday night. 7.30, pregame right here on WFLA at 5.30 tomorrow. Renewing that big rivalry with Charleston Southern. Huge. Yikes. <laughs> WFLA news time is 8.06. A former college student is charged with pretending to be a doctor. That story's online at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Up next, I'm scheduled to have live with me here on Good Morning Orlando, the new mayor-elect of Orange County, Jerry Deming. Stay tuned for that. Lots to talk about. So we're trying to track down the new mayor-elect of Orange County, Jerry Demings. You reached out to his people yesterday, um, Mike, and uh, they said we would have the mayor-elect on the 50,000-watt front porch at 810, right? 
Yep, said he was going to call in. All right, and we've reached out again here, and we understand the connection will be made. Um, it was uh, it was a stunning victory for Jerry Demings, who's the current sheriff and had been the um, the police chief of Orlando. And, of course, with Teresa Jacobs' term limited out and then moving on to successfully run for Orange County uh, School Board Chair... Uh, Jerry Demings entered the race for mayor. Endless connections politically, name recognition, and I think pretty positive vibes for the work he's done and the gentleman he has been shown to be. And the electorate responded by giving him 62% of the vote in a three-person field. That's an extraordinary number. And, of course, he went well over 50%, avoiding a runoff, and so he won the position of Orange County Mayor with the primary. He had uh, 62% of the vote. The rest of the votes went to Pete Clark and to Rob Panapinto. And on the 4th of December, Jerry Demings will switch hats and be sworn in as Orange County's mayor. He is the first black mayor of Orange County, as he was the first black police chief in the city, and also sheriff here in the county. So everybody talks about the Democrats' um, governor's candidate, Andrew Gillum, who really surprised everybody by winning the nomination to run against Republican Ron DeSantis, that he had made history. But Jerry Demings has made history as well. And while we wait for the mayor-elect, hopefully to join us, let's play a little bit from his speech the other night, where I think it was pretty clear, although I wanted to ask him about this, that he was talking about how far we have come in this town and this county in terms of race relations since he first got started years ago. Here is Jerry Deming's victory speech. We have won this race. My victory tonight speaks volumes about just how far this community has come. The son of a maid. And a taxi cab driver has been elected. And it's quite a story. It'll be an even better story if Jerry Demings were here to tell it. I wanted to ask him whether or not he sees any racism within the comment by Ron DeSantis, and I do not, that Andrew Gillum has picked up on and said, yeah, yeah, that's racist to say you know, we want to get into this uh, this contest with Gillum here and monkey it up, the monkey reference to, to a black man, you know, and, and days gone by where that kind of thing went on. And it's totally unacceptable, of course. But then again, then again, there's no history of racism on the part of Ron DeSantis. And as I told you yesterday, this was not a racist comment. He's, of course, said that it is not. And they're just picking it up and they are running with it to try to make political hay out of it. And, and to take down Ron DeSantis. In my opinion, what you had here is what I'm guilty of from time to time, and maybe you are as well, taking a couple of existing phrases and creating a new one that doesn't really exist. You know, I think it's just we can't monkey around. We can't muck it up by having this guy become the governor of Florida, Andrew Gillum, because he's so far out there, really, as a Democrat socialist, for crying out loud. And it wound up, saying we can't monkey it up, and all of a sudden, bang, all of a sudden, all the bells went off and the race card got played. But it wasn't played by Ron DeSantis, in my view. It was played by Andrew Gillum, by the left-leaning media, 
and by all the black activists across the country. And I just think it was terribly unfair to Ron DeSantis. I really do. You know, I heard a good explanation of this yesterday, too. When DeSantis said monkey, he used it as a verb. So he wasn't calling Gillum a monkey. He was saying we don't need to monkey this up. When you use monkey as a verb, that's a very common expression. Monkey around or monkey um, up or monkey this. It's a verb that's commonly used. He wasn't directed towards someone specific. Well, we're going to see if we can connect with Jerry Demings here in just a moment. We're doing our very best. They made the commitment, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, he'll be able to join us in a moment. I'm going to save a little bit of time in that regard. And here he is, striding onto the 50,000-watt front porch, Orange County Mayor-elect Jerry Demings. I'm glad you could make it, uh, and good morning to you, sir. Good morning, bud. Thanks for inviting me on the show once again. Well, we congratulated you before you came on here on your victory, and uh, I thought your victory speech was absolutely one of the best I have heard. And you referenced how far we have come in uh, this community that a man of color could be elected to the highest office in Orange County, um, and so it has happened. What was on your mind in that regard, and what do you consider now to be the state of race relations in Orange County compared to what you remember them being when you started out long ago? Well, uh, my comments weren't necessarily uh, focused on race, but more on socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. You know, as a guy that uh, grew up in this community uh, that was poor and, uh, you know, from a family who was a blue-collar worker, mm-hmm. uh, a workers, and so that's really more what my my comments were about. You know, my father was there on the stage with me. Who he'll be 96 years old in, a, wow. in about a week and a half, mm-hmm. and so for him, you know, it was just fantastic that these are the types of things that parents dream of for their children. You know, they want their children to do better for them. Uh, my siblings and I, we were the first in our family to uh, get a college education. Uh, and so that's what, you know, was referenced more to. And, I understand uh, what you're saying. Now, you, yeah. of course, made history and everybody's talking about it. First African-American mayor of Orange County. This is a big time position here. We congratulate you for it. I feel duty bound to ask you um, in the wake of this uh, monkey it up. Uh, controversy between Ron DeSantis and uh, and um, and Andrew Gillum. Uh, Gillum says it was a racist comment. DeSantis denies it. As as a leading political figure now, a man of color, how do you see it, sir? Well, I don't know if it was a deliberate act or not. It's hard to get in the heads of human beings, but uh, at the very least, it, uh, it was an inappropriate comment because uh, it is it was a comment that could be misconstrued. And so when you are in a leadership role, you have to be very careful about the words that you choose to use because we have this responsibility to unify our communities, and regardless of one's uh, political uh, ideology, uh, once you get in the office or you intend to get in the office, you really represent all the people, no matter how you got there. So one of the things I've always tried to do is uh, make certain that uh, my words uh, that I choose uh, have um, the meaning that would bring us together as a community and not divide us. I think when communities are divided, everyone loses in that 
circumstances. I always think you've done a very good job in that regard. I have no reason to believe you will do otherwise as Orange County Mayor. Let me ask you about an important issue here, um, uh, Jerry. Uh, Governor Scott wants the legislature now to free up $58 million in money that was unused that was appropriated by the legislature to train school guardians in the wake of the Parkland School Massacre. So the money could now be used locally to hire more police, which is the way most school districts seem to want to go, school resource officers. You could get $5 million in Orange County. What, what is your reaction to that, and will you take the $5 million and what will you do with it? Well, uh, the way it really works, the money doesn't come directly to a law enforcement agency. The money all goes to the school district. The mandate under the law is not for a law enforcement agency to, to really do anything other than uh, work with the school district to uh, develop security safety plans. So the money will go to the public school system, and uh, they have the option uh, to use the funds to hire uh, guardians or security officers uh, or their own police or contract with their local law enforcement. Uh, the Orange County Public Schools uh, has made a public policy decision that it will not arm school teachers, that it will not hire guardians. Instead, uh, they have chosen to reach out to the local law enforcement. And so that's what they have done here. And so within our local school district, which is now the eighth largest school district in the nation, right. uh, it is a, quite the task and challenge for local law enforcement to step up and meet uh, the challenge. And so for me, uh, I have got to hire 75 additional law enforcement officers to, uh, to meet the request that they have made of me. And so we came up with a very workable plan to do that. And so the, what right. that money will do is assist them to better reimburse uh, a portion of the cost to Amia Sheriff. I'm talking uh, with Orange County. The money that they will uh, reimburse me for is about 40% of the true cost. Yeah. That other 60% of the cost uh, I have to go to the Board of County Commission and get them at, to make it up. Because, I understand. You know, I'm almost out of time because you got in late yeah. here, and I and it's unfortunate because there's so much more I'd like to talk to you about. But yeah. I, I, I want to ask you, when are you going to have all of the schools covered with resource officers? I mean, you're still the sheriff. Well, we have them covered now, but I'm doing that by backfilling. I'm pulling deputies from other places, and that's not sustainable because I have the burden of really protecting the entire community. But so we're, uh, we're hiring them. I believe that it'll be months uh, before we have 75 people hired. That typically takes us. It can take us uh, 12 months to hire that number of personnel, and that's the challenge that every metropolitan area has. So I think perhaps uh, in the coming months we're going to try to hire them as quickly as we can, All right. but it'll take time. Let me ask you, and I only have a minute on this, what are your priorities for Orange County when you become mayor? What will change? My priorities are really to continue the economic development for this county, to focus on a regional tra mass transit or transportation system, affordable housing, and then to enhance public safety. Those are the four things that are my top priorities. Now, that doesn't mean that other things aren't important, but those are the top priorities. Orange County Mayor-elect Jerry Demings, congratulations once again on your election victory, and uh, you'll be sworn in on the uh, on the 4th of December, and thank you for coming on the show with us this morning. Thank you, bud. All right, good deal. We got him in. We had to squeeze it a little bit because the clock...
The clock is a tyrant, <laughs> and it rules the Budman. And at the bottom of the hour at 8.30, we're going to bring on Alan Spector to update the news. Trump rallies in Indiana. It was quite a show last night, but red tide, nasty stuff, moving up the Florida Gulf Coast. So that's important to find out about, and all the news is just ahead here. Good morning, Orlando, on a Friday. Alan, I ran a little long with the uh, mayor-elect, Jerry Demings, here because he didn't make it the time slot that had been committed to, so I'm squeezing you a little bit. So take it away, my friend. President Trump is not letting up on the Justice Department and the FBI, bud. As those agencies continue to investigate his campaign, Trump told a rally in Evansville, Indiana last night. Our Justice Department and our FBI have to start doing their job and doing it right and doing it now. Because people are angry. People are angry. The president said that what is happening is a disgrace. And if he has to, he'll step in and fix it. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A ceremony will be held in Washington today honoring the late Senator John McCain. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Speaker Paul Ryan, and Vice President Mike Pence will make remarks. There will be a memorial for McCain at Washington's National Cathedral tomorrow, which will include eulogies from former presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama. You know, yesterday they had a memorial service um, at a church in Phoenix, Arizona, John McCain's home state, and there was one particular eulogy that really touched me, and I think there's a great message here that I will share in a moment. We'll be listening. The red tide algae bloom is moving north along the Gulf Coast and is now in high concentrations about 10 miles off Pinellas County. Michelle Kerr of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says more water samples will be taken today. There have been a number of fish kills reported all throughout Pinellas County. There are low concentrations around Pinellas County near shore, so we will have to track the wind and current patterns and keep taking water samples. Because of red tide, the FWC has issued a catch-and-release advisory for anglers who catch snook and redfish from the Gulf waters from Manatee to Lee counties. Two people are facing charges for turning their Marion County home into a drive through drug stop. Ocala police last week arrested William Parrish Jr. and Mackenzie Dobbs after a raid at the house on Northwest 23rd Place. Investigators say the two turned a kitchen window into a drive through window and there were even signs indicating when they were open for business. And they weren't selling burgers, were they? No, 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 they were not. <laughs> it pays to prepare for a natural disaster, especially here in Florida when dealing with something like the current Atlantic hurricane season. That is the advice from FEMA. That's what FEMA says. Ah, uh, uh, Men and women, a few words at FEMA. And they also say... Make and practice an emergency plan. They, I suspect the Floridians have an emergency plan. They need to know how to reconnect and communicate with family members uh, during an emergency because oftentimes they're not in the same location. That's FEMA's Q Winfield. He says it's always better to have a plan and never need it than it is to need a plan and not have one. I wish I'd had a plan when he didn't start talking. <laughs> <laughs> Quarterback Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick can move forward with his collusion case against the National Football League. An arbitrator has denied a request by the NFL to dismiss Kaepernick's complaint that teams conspired to keep him out of the league. Kaepernick, who is now 30, started the movement of kneeling during the national anthem to bring attention to social justice issues in 2016. And elsewhere, Bud, we, yeah. we heard this song last week, but it bears repeating... 
We played it last week in honor of Ed King, the uh, Leonard Skinner member who passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're playing it again because Leonard Skinner is getting ready to play its last show in the town where it formed. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famers play this Sunday at TIAA Bankfield in Jacksonville. Skinner formed in the mid-60s on Jacksonville's west side. I think a lot of folks didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, the band is in the middle of a farewell tour with dates booked into next year. Guess what? They are in the lineup for the iHeart Radio Music Festival in Las Vegas on September 21st and 22nd. All so right. That's pretty cool, too. And we've been, uh, we've been trying to uh, get folks to uh, win an all-expense-paid trip there on our texting contest. I'm glad my news worked into a plug for something going on with the radio station. Yeah, it all, the, the, the synergy and all of that. It yeah, just never stops. Whatever. Star Trek ah. is... Re- <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek is receiving a special honor this year. The TV Academy announced yesterday the show has been chosen for the 2018 <laughs> Governor's Award. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Bud is holding his head as he looks at me. Like I've, <laughs> I've given him a migraine, I think. <laughs> you have. But, uh, Star actually, Trek... actually, the mayor elect gave me a migraine when he didn't show up on time. The, That's uh, another thing, but okay. I'm, I'll be fine. I'm taking three days off to recover from this hour of the show. Go we ahead. only have 21 minutes to go, Bud. I think you can make it. <laughs> Trust me, so I know anyway, how long it is. <laughs> as I was saying about 10 minutes ago, Star Trek is getting the 2018 Governor's Award from the Television Academy mm-hmm. for creating a cultural phenomenon of science fiction. The original Star Trek series has spent more than 50 years on the air and spawned 13 feature films with two more still on the way. Wow. The Governor's Award will be presented to Star Trek next month at the Creative Arts Emmy Awards. And it's a good time to pack a lunch and enjoy the warm weather because not only because we're done with this show, but because (laughs) we're almost done. 20 minutes to go. Thank you. It's National Eat Out. It's like a NASA countdown here. (laughs) It's National Eat Outside Day, bud. The holiday gives people a chance to enjoy fresh air and take in the end of summer. <laughs> and uh, this story here actually has uh, recommendations on how you can eat outside. Really? In, in case you can't figure it out for yourself. <laughs> you can. Open the door, yeah. walk through it. You can have a picnic. Pull up a chair and sit down. You can enjoy a snack on a park bench. All right. Or eat at an outdoor restaurant or cafe. Always to eat outside <laughs> on National Eat Outside Day. <laughs> Complete with instructions. Yeah. Oh, mercifully, it is over. How you doing, Alan? I'm fine. Are you? <laughs> no, I'm not well. Your enough. head's still hurting? There's so many things grinding my gears because Fox is running with a story about a movie I've been dying to see, talking about Star Trek, but talking about a real space program that honors the Apollo 11 moon mission and focuses on Neil Armstrong. It's entitled First Man. Mm -hmm. Apparently, and everyone says this movie is magnificently done. It comes out in October. They have taken the American flag out of the moon landing scene. Really? Yes. I suppose that's to appeal to a what? A worldwide international audience that doesn't want to see the red, white, and blue. How in the world can you do that story and leave out the American flag they planted on the moon's surface, which is there 50 years later? Now, do we know for a fact it won't be in the movie, or is this just rumor? No, um, it will not be in the movie. They've skipped over that scene. Ryan Gosling was asked about it, and he said they wanted the... they see it as more of a human achievement rather than an American oh, achievement. Please. And you they see, wanted to focus on the human achievement aspect and not just our country achieving it. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you wonder why I'm sitting here holding my head. That's just another reason. Uh, <laughs> well, let's go eat outside. I think we'll feel yeah, much better. Thank you very much. <laughs> Alan, you're the best. They're terrific when you're here with us on Fridays. We always enjoy it. I got lucky driving in here this morning. I caught the audio on a sports station of a tribute to John McCain during a memorial service in his remembrance out in Phoenix, Arizona yesterday. I want to share a little of it here. The tribute came from NFL football star wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, the great Larry Fitzgerald. It made me think about how great it would be if more people who seem to have as little in common as Larry Fitzgerald and John McCain could find common ground and even become good friends. Many people might wonder what a young African-American kid from Minnesota and a highly decorated Vietnam War hero turned United States senator might have in common. Well, I, I, I thought of a few. I'm black. He was white. <laughs> I'm young. He wasn't so young. <laughs> he lived with physical limitations brought on by war. I'm a professional athlete. He ran for president. I run out of bounds. <laughs> he was the epitome of toughness, and I do everything I can to avoid contact. I have flowing locks, and well, he didn't. <laughs> How does this unlikely pair become friends? I've asked myself the same question. But do you know what the answer is? That's just who he is. Over the several years I had the privilege of spending time with Senator McCain, sometimes it was just a visit to our practices. Other times it was him texting and saying, oh, you need to pick it up this Sunday. <laughs> I'm thankful that through these moments, the opportunity that we had to share our lives and more importantly, our stories. While from very different worlds, we developed a meaningful friendship. And this highlights the very rare and very special qualities of Senator McCain that I came to deeply admire. He didn't judge individuals based on the color of their skin, their gender, their backgrounds, their political affiliations, or their bank accounts. He evaluated them on the merits of their character and the contents of their hearts. He judged them on the work they put in and the principles they live by. It was this approach to humanity that made Senator John McCain so respected by countless people around the world, including me. There was a lot more to that moving tribute and the eulogy from uh, Larry Fitzgerald, a great black wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals that uh, McCain rooted for for years. And would that more of us could find common ground with those with whom we don't have any obvious common ground. There's always something there that can lead to more than a passing acquaintance in some cases. And Larry Fitzgerald and John McCain are Exhibit A in this regard this morning, become very good lifelong friends. I just thought that was worth sharing, and I don't know that it's being covered enough. It was one of the tributes at the uh, service yesterday out in Phoenix. In a moment, our final look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes for you on a Friday morning here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. 
Let's play a little bit of the play-by-play from Mark Daniels, voice of the Knights from our sister sports station, 96.9 The Game. I mean, the highlights, they went on all night long. Here's one of them. McKenzie rolls out, pressure, looks downfield, still looking, still looking, deciding what he wants to do, throws it downfield, the end zone pass is going to be caught, touchdown, Trey Nixon! Oh my goodness! Wow, how about that? Big time football this weekend right here in Orlando. Number one ranked Alabama. They will be playing at Camping World Stadium tomorrow night. They'll be facing Louisville tomorrow night. Local attorney uh, Chad Barr has... uh, paid for a banner plane to to fly the UCF Knights National Championship banner around Camping World Stadium in advance of the Alabama game to stick it to them. Pretty cool, UCF grad. Yaffe, you got to love that. Well, yeah, in last night's game, I would expect nothing less from the true national champions as they will be national champions again this year. Oh, that's I like the way you talk. By the <laughs> way, what about our Florida Gators? We carry all the games. We are your Gator Nation flagship station. The Gators are on the radio tomorrow, and they're playing in Gainesville against Charleston Southern to open their season tomorrow night at 7.30. Pre-game starts at 5.30. Miami LSU Sunday night at 7.30 in Texas. FSU's home opener against Virginia Tech is Monday night, Labor Day, at 7.30. Excited about college football to be followed, of course, by the NFL opening up their season. Hard to keep up with it all. That'll do it for the Friday edition of Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Have a nice Labor Day weekend. Special programming on Monday. I'll be back with you on Tuesday morning, bright and early. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.